Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you, food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. The culinary landscape is ever evolving around the world. And I hope you'll tune in every weekend because on this show, I'll keep your finger on the pulse of food. You'll hear from chefs and pastry aficionados, restaurateurs, and molecular gastronomers, food bloggers and enthusiasts, artisans, winemakers, mixologists, cookbook authors, and more. Because just by tuning into this show, you can discover delicious recipes and restaurant finds from across the country, unique and authentic ingredients you'll want to fill your pantry with, and learn the techniques of master chefs. You'll even get cooking ideas for novices, because I like to say, whether you love to cook or love to eat, we should definitely be friends. I'm all about keeping your finger on the pulse on the latest trends in food and eating. And I cover, cover rather, health and wine, tech, travel, and more. Anything that relates to something delicious. So I hope that you will sign up for my monthly newsletter, bringing you the best of the season at chefjamie.com, which by the way, my website is all new and being loaded with new recipes daily. And yes, they are all free. I also hope that you will become a friend and a fan on social, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You'll find me at Chef Jamie Gwen, where you'll see my daily dish. All right, coming up, our plate is full today and my heart is full because he is a blast. He is a hoot. (laughs) He is a talent. He is a love. And there's no doubt that the world fell in love with Zach Young. You've seen him on every baking show on TV. He was named one of the top 10 pastry chefs in America. You love him on the Food Network. And he is. He's just absolutely fun. I have had the privilege of working with Zach for many years. I'm proud to call him my friend and he has a brilliant baking mind. So please tune in as he is gracing this show for the first time. And I am delighted Chef Zach Young is here. But first... Let's get this party started, shall we? Because I like to give you a tutorial of of sorts at the start of this show. That was a lot of S's. And it's my goal to make you the best cook you know. Oh, and to make you lick your radio. But aside from that, I hope that it gives you a new masterful technique or some insight into something you make that you could make better. And so I wonder, do you have separation anxiety? of the vinaigrette kind. (laughs) Knowing how to make a vinaigrette, I believe, always comes in handy. It is something that can be made in seconds with pantry basics. It tastes so much better and fresher than bottled dressing. And really, the big question about vinaigrettes is not how, but rather why. Is emulsifying the oil and the acid really necessary? Why, yes, it is. Because if you love that salad dressing at your favorite restaurant, or if you have memories from the 90s of the salad dressing at Cheesecake Factory, the emulsified balsamic vinaigrette that you used to dip the brown bread in, oh yeah, me too. 
then it's time to up your salad dressing game. And if you're salad savvy, then you will want to master the perfect vinaigrette because it will make you a culinary hero. So what exactly is an emulsion? You know this, I know that, but it's always good for review, right? At its most basic, it's what you get, an emulsion, that is, when you force two things that don't easily mix to form a homogeneous mixture. So in cooking, this most often occurs with oil and water, right? And for all intents and purposes, vinegar or lemon juice can be considered water. It behaves the same way. If you put them in a container and you stir them up or shake them up, eventually, if you leave them long enough, they will separate. And there are a couple of ways around it. The first is to disperse one of the two, the oil, say, into fine enough droplets that water can completely surround it. And culinary emulsifiers are molecules that contain one end that is attractive to water and one end that is attractive to oil. So you use an emulsifier to make an emulsified vinaigrette, like egg yolks or mustard or honey, And that's where the culinary hero ship comes in, right? Now, at this point, you're probably thinking, this is all very neat, Jamie, but really what difference does it make to my salad? And the moral of this vinaigrette story is that unless you emulsify your vinaigrette, you often end up with a pile of leaves dressed in oil and a pool of vinegar at the bottom of the salad bowl, and it destroys the flavor, Now, an emulsified vinaigrette, however, uses the power of both the oil and the vinegar to cling tightly to the leaves of salad, and you have this balanced flavor in every beautiful mouthful. So the basic ratio for a vinaigrette is one part vinegar to three parts oil, but I've cut it down over the years, as have many chefs, and we often do one part vinegar to two parts oil for balance. And you'll want to adjust accordingly if you're using, let's say, a sweeter balsamic as opposed to lemon juice or a bitier vinegar. As with anything else, you get the best results if you use the highest quality ingredients, of course. And you will need both hands, or in my humble culinary opinion, you will only need one finger because I make my vinaigrettes in the blender. I think the blender gives you the tightest emulsion that lasts the longest in the fridge. And if I'm going to make a batch of vinaigrette, I am going to make a big batch that I store in a mason jar that I use for the week or longer. And I place the vinegar or acid with the seasonings in the blender and I turn it on and I slowly drizzle the oil to create an emulsified dressing. Now you can make it by hand using a mixing bowl and a whisk. You want to stabilize the bowl using a damp towel, of course, wrapped around the base, you know, and you will need both hands because you will whisk and pour the oil at the same time. So use your blender. But adding that emulsifier is really the secret. A little bit of Dijon mustard, a roasted garlic clove will bind together the oil and vinegar, guaranteed. And for a no-fail vinaigrette every time, this is the ultimate chef's secret. Are you listening? Many years ago, I read a culinary science article about the strength of molasses. Yes, molasses. Molasses is the very best binding agent when it comes to making a vinaigrette. Don't tell anybody. Okay, tell everybody, please. But tell them Chef Jamie told you. And you don't really taste the molasses if you add just enough 
to bind the dressing. You get a hint of sweetness without any bitterness, which I happen to like, and the dressing stays together forever. And I mean forever. Now I'm talking about a half a teaspoon to what is about two cups total of vinaigrette. Just try it. It's amazing. Now, a couple of more vinaigrette tricks, if you don't mind. Be sure to pour the oil in a slow, steady stream to resist breaking. And above all things, you want to experiment and change the type of oil or vinegar and add herbs or shallots or citrus zest and cater that dressing to the greens, to the salad. Your salad greens, your grilled vegetables, your pasta salads, your crudite will never be better when you master the making of a vinaigrette. And by the way, not to contradict myself, but if you want to just throw it all to the wind with a vinaigrette tonight, you can. Shake up the ingredients in a mason jar. Shake, 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 and use it right away. It will be just fine. But those salads later in the week, when you go to reach for that maple balsamic Dijon vinaigrette that you made that was oh so good, and those salad dressings that I mentioned at the beginning that we love at our favorite restaurants, those are emulsified vinaigrettes, and they're the best. And that's it. So now you know. You will be a vinaigrette hero. I have a basic vinaigrette recipe to share with you, the most basic, in fact, with measurements. And if you'd like them, please email me, jamie, J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com will get you to me. And you'll be making perfect vinaigrette in no time. I just know it. Live from New York, pastry chef extraordinaire, Food Network superstar, Zach Young is here and I can't wait. Don't touch your dial. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Be right back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, dedicated to great taste. No way around it. Zach Young is obsessed with baking. You've no doubt seen him on every baking show on TV, named one of the top 10 pastry chefs in America. He is beloved, and you love him, on the Food Network and Bravo and Netflix and more. Zach is known for his playful takes on American desserts, including the all-in-one Thanksgiving dessert sensation, the empire that is pie cake-in. He's been included on the New York Times list of the best donuts in New York City. He's best known for his final four finish on the inaugural season of Bravo's Top Chef Just Desserts. 
But really, it's his signature wit and his pastry wisdom that make him an absolute star. I have had the distinct pleasure of working and partying with him on multiple occasions. And let me tell you, he is a talent and a blast. Gracing this show for the first time, and I am so delighted. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm welcome to Chef Zach Young. I am so glad you are here. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> How are you, my friend? Oh, that was quite the introduction. Well, I feel like uh, we should send it to my mother. <laughs> oh, well, well deserved. If you'd like me to send a draft, we can let her edit, of course. Yeah. um tell us how you've been what's up catch us up please because there are more holidays in the future which means hooray there are more holiday baking shows upcoming yes i feel like there's a there's a baking show for every holiday now as there should be good for good for me yes you know we also uh we film them out of order too so you know like we'll we'll shoot halloween in Spring or Halloween in summer right. or Easter in fall. Um, Isn't that so, always crazy? I, you know, I feel that way with TV. Like shopping for Christmas table decor in July is not always easy. No, it's not. And I mean, the internet has made it a lot easier. Yes. But I remember when we used to be doing these like long lead uh, magazine shoots, right? Six months out and pre like Amazon explosion and you're like, where, where can I get Christmas ornaments? And so you end up going to like the dollar store or like any kind of like factory outlet to try to find something. (laughs) It's true. That's true. Very true. What is next? Or let, let me ask what's airing next. What's coming up that we can watch. What is airing next? Um, that is a good question. I, I'm actually kind of quiet this summer. You know, we just did Spring Baking Championship Easter yes. edition, which yeah. was Fa- so much fun. Fabulous. And now we have Halloween coming up in, we start in September. Um, Amazing. We do Because we do eight episodes of it now, which is incredible. Hmm. Um, What's so the best it, it part? Means that I get a little breath. Yeah, well, you deserve a little breath. What's the best part about it? Is it... Um, is it the excitement and amping up for, you know, eight episodes to the finale? Do you like to see the progression and the growth of the pastry chefs? What, what do you find the most thrilling? I, you know, I, I think it's really the bakers Hmm. who are so inspired and so interesting and always coming in with something new. Yeah. And Halloween baking, you know, we're going into season nine wow. right now. And, and really? every time, yeah. Crazy. Every time I think that I've seen it, right? Like I've seen everything that can be done with Halloween baking. Um, a new crop comes in and, mm. you know, they just have different experience, different perspective. Sure. And you're like, Wow. I'm going to steal that. Yeah, of course. Right. And you thought you'd seen it all. I think that's, that's a testament to how much our industry has elevated the amount of vast knowledge out there, the extraordinary talent out there. I feel the same as you do. And I'm the viewer watching, but I think, gosh, this 
tremendous passion, this desire to do something bigger and better never ends. And that's what's so phenomenally fascinating about it. Well, it's also wild because when when we first started or when I first started, I always felt like, you know, the, the great chefs were either in New York or San Francisco or L.A. or mm-hmm. Chicago, mm-hmm. right? Those were, those were your options. Um, and now, I mean, the, these great chefs were always in these other locations, but sure. um, it's really become nationwide. Yes. You don't have to live uh, in any of those four cities. No, because there's uh, a lot of talent. Better if you don't. Yeah, maybe it is. Maybe you're the up and coming in Oklahoma, right? Or uh, Dubuque or wherever it is. There's so much talent everywhere. And uh, alluding to that passion, uh, I will tell you, you are one of the most passionate culinarians I've ever met. One, you have this beautiful boisterous, passionate personality that we've all fallen in love with. And you're out there and you're forthright and there's something very wonderful and refreshing about that. But your talent to boot brings that passion up a notch, to quote my mentor. And with that said, your passion has made you a sold out sensation or a constant sold out sensation, I will say, because Pycaken has taken over the world and we're all, de- <laughs> we're all delighted. Um, for those that don't know, please describe and define Pycaken. And I always wondered, did Pycaken come to you in a dream or did you sit down and say, I'm going to create the next big thing, uh, that entrepreneurial spirit? So Pycaken started for Thanksgiving, you know, it was to create the turducken of dessert. Um, and it really started because we were, you know, running restaurants and we had one restaurant in Midtown Manhattan and the executive chef there was um, a bit of a man child in in a wonderful way Mm -hmm. and was like really excited about his turducken special Mm. uh, for Thanksgiving and and just wouldn't shut up about it. (laughs) So my pastry team there and I were kind of like, you know what? <laughs> Why don't we make the turducken of dessert just as a special, just for Thanksgiving in this one property, um, as a little like joke slash competition? Sure, challenge. Right. Yeah. Um, I'll see your and turducken and I'll raise you a pie cake. I'll raise you pie cake. Yeah. And so we we kind of took all of the Thanksgiving favorites, you know, because the dessert plate is never big enough when you go to the dessert table on Thanksgiving because you want one slice of everything. Of course. So we said, why don't we turn, you know, pumpkin pie, pecan pie, apple pie, spice cake, all of those Thanksgiving desserts, why don't we roll it into one kind of, you know, giant cake. So smart. And that's what we did. Okay, you are too fabulous. We need to take a quick break. When we come back, there is more with Chef Zach Young and all the sweet stuff. Don't go away.
We're back and we're dishing Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. The uber amazing Zach Young is here. Pastry chef extraordinaire. Brilliant baker. And just all around phenomenal guy. Kudos to you because that is a good dose of humility that you just shared. But we read a book in our house with my three-year-old called Beautiful Oops. And I think it's such a wonderful phrase because... That is a beautiful oops. Like we created something and oops, wow, look what it became, right? Uh, It's taking over the world. Um, And (laughs) so so is Sprinkletown. Do you have a thing specifically for sprinkles? (laughs) I love sprinkles. Who who doesn't? Like when you think of sprinkles, you think of joy. You think of childhood. Oh, they're happy. Yeah the, quote, mystery trip that you used to take with your parents that always ended up at the ice cream store. Right. You know, they they just, how, how can you be sad when there's sprinkles on things? That's true. So I think there's just such a feeling wrapped into hmm. sprinkles. And then, you know, we, we kind of burst Sprinkle Town out of this desire to branch out or expand from Pycaken. Pycaken is you know, this specialty holiday cake. It's our direct-to-consumer business. As we started to develop products for for retail, um, traditional retail, food service, wholesale, um, you know, all of these other revenue streams or distribution streams, you know, we kind of wanted something greater. And I was like, (laughs) why not build a whole town? Of sprinkles. A town of sprinkles. That sounds delightful um, and joyful. Like nothing goes wrong and there's never rain in Sprinkle Town. And if it does rain, it rains sprinkles. Oh, it rains sprinkles. So you just We're trying to figure out how to make that happen. That well, that would be great. When that happens, will you come back on before you go on Kelly? Oh, absolutely. Oh, please. Absolutely. Uh, please, please, please. Um <laughs> Can we move to the savory side for a moment? Because it is a joy to know you. And, you know, every year in the desert, I I love to see you in a lace muumuu with a glass of champagne on a stage somewhere. um, (laughs) Because there's nothing better. Um, In my native environment. Yes, it is. In a sun hat and a caftan. That's right. Um, But if we're not seeing the glass of champagne in one hand... We're seeing a spoon in the other. And the spoon has a mound of tartare on it. Because (laughs) I have never seen or met anyone as tartare crazy as you. Please explain. Please explain. Uh, I, all right. I love steak tartare. Love? I think we all have these things. Okay, I'm a little obsessed. Obsessed, thank you. We all have these things that are on menus that you will order, right? Like, like my mother has French onion soup. You know, the, the, right. I feel like there's something on I, the menu that I have there, you have to order it. Eggplant parm. If you're making eggplant parm, tell me what time I'll be there. I love it. Exactly. I love it. So that's, you know, I can't pass up a steak tartare. And then I don't even know how it started. A few years ago, I just started taking pictures of the tartare every time I'd order it or have it. Um, and I started a hashtag of tartargram just because of the absurdity of it all. Yes. Um, but I do truly love steak tartare, and I also love documenting my love of it. Your too. tartare so escapades? Like 
yeah, I should. I feel like it should be shared. Yes, it should. And it's funny because chef friends of mine um, are always, uh, you know, urging me to come try it <laughs> when they put it on their menu too. I love so, it. You've become a steak tartare yes. phenomenon. Do you do you make it at yes. home or no? No, 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 no. It's only out. It is only out. Okay. Yeah. Got it's it. kind of like, it's like sushi for some reason. Yes, for me. Like, I understand. I it's your thing. I'll cook a steak at home. I love cooking steaks at home. Yes. But yeah, the, the tartare for me is a, a restaurant experience. I know you have a professional kitchen, a bake shop that you test and recipe develop in, of course. But I have seen you bake at home or in homes, depending upon where in the world you are. And so I wonder if you would share, please a few or a couple of what you believe are the most essential pantry items in a baker's kitchen? Like, do you travel with a couple things in your suitcase or is there always something in your pantry that you can whip up? And I've seen you do that, by the way. Like, you did something crazy fabulous with a cinnamon roll and I'm trying to remember where you were or what it was. But it was like a something from nothing. Oh, we're going to make, you know, bake this for brunch. What are your go-tos? What are your essentials? Beyond the basic staples that you think of, which is, you know, sugar, flour, butter, butter oil, leaveners. Yes. Um, I think cream cheese Ooh. is very important, um, both in baked goods to add a little tenderness, a little tang, Smart. swap out a little bit of the butter. Yes. Um, but also it, it makes easy frostings or icings, glazes. Hmm. I, I just love, I love the tang. I love cream um, cheese too. And I think people are afraid of yeast, but yeah. I oh, love for to sure. have it. Do you um, keep dry yeast? Because the, the envelope? I do. Okay. And, yeah, the envelope, uh, or as I did, you know, in, in peak 2020, <laughs> bought a giant, uh, food service bag of it at Costco yes and still have it in my freezer (laughs) it's served you well and if you it has served you well well. and if you wake up or friends come over mid-morning and you think oh need something what's your go-to what do you bake scones or biscuits or biscuit scone (laughs) is that the next pie cake in the biscuit yeah yeah you know what it is? I'm actually horrifically indecisive, and I basically want all of the things, so that's mm. why I kind of sure. <laughs> mash things up. But, you know, kind of like a, a sweet, flaky, buttery dough mm. with whatever fruit is arguably going bad in my fridge <laughs> or uh, out of the freezer. So, And, and it comes together so quickly, yeah, right? And there's also so many variations. You don't need necessarily need buttermilk or, mm. you know, you can kind of just play with it. Hmm. So it's always something that's a, a quick, sweet, sure. fruit-laden treat. treat. Yeah. Does everything you touch turn out? Like I can tell you a story while you think of the last flop because we've all had them. I can't imagine you're going to tell me, no, everything I make is perfect, Jamie. <laughs> I'll never forget at the start of this show t- more than 20 years ago, Ming Tsai, incredible talent, telling me that he 
breaks mayonnaise every time he attempts to make it in the food processor. Like it was the most frustrating thing on the planet. The guy is an extraordinary talent, but he cannot master mayonnaise in the food processor, right? It's a timing thing or a patience thing. It's certainly not a talent thing. Does everything you touch turn to perfect pastry? No. Uh, it was actually, you know what it was? It was cornbread. Ooh. And I mean, we used to make, we used to make so much cornbread for the restaurants. Uh, you know, for bread service or for brunch or whatever. Sure. And, you know, I dug out the old recipe binder and I was like, oh, let me just, you know, I've made this cornbread a million times. I don't even need to look at it. And it's separated. <laughs> like, literally in the oven, you had a two layer cornbread where all of the cornmeal went to the bottom huh. and the top was like a cake layer. And I was like, I couldn't even replicate this if I tried. <laughs> and could you figure out the reasoning why? Did you go back to the chemistry book and and oh, yeah. determine I, it? Well, I, I messed up the buttermilk measurement. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So you know what? There, there, There's always a reason. But I, it does, I will tell you, make bakers everywhere hearing you say that you've had a flop here or there or everywhere. Um much more so believe in the trial and error of mastering a recipe. And I think that's what it takes. And you would say the same, right? If you want to have a signature dessert in your household, you will have had to make it 30 times or 300 or whatever it is to perfect it. Absolutely. Because as scientific as pastry is, or as scientific as we think it is, there's also the... (laughs) the oops of ingredients like the buttermilk and the cornbread or last week I couldn't figure out why the chocolate chip cookie recipe that I literally keep in my freezer that I make all the time I couldn't figure out why it wasn't spreading and I like checked my oven calibration like I was driving myself crazy and then I ate one and I was like I forgot the sugar (gasps) I forgot the granulated sugar okay it's true you are obsessed with baking Zach Young in your radio more right after this the top 10 pastry chefs in America for good reason. Chef Zach Young and his playful take on desserts is dishing. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Welcome back. Um, all right. Before I let you go, um, with respect to your time, I have two more questions. One, please name your quintessential best spring sweets recipe. Like the best thing to make in spring at the height of the season. Carrot cake. Really? Although, <gasps> my birthday come, is in. I have come. To my birthday's in the, September. Well, it's also a fall. <laughs> it's also, no, that's okay. I'll wait. Really a fall dish, but yes, I feel like it. 
it always feels springy because I always feel like it's like an Easter thing. Easter yes. bunny equals carrots, carrots equal carrot cake. Therefore, spring is for carrot cake. But I think that's smart. And what goes into your carrot cake? Like I'll name some things. Don't, don't, sh- don't shriek. No pineapple or raisins or no. walnuts. No. Or- no, 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 no. You know what goes into my carrot cake? Carrots. Carrots. Yeah. I like to pull the other stuff out. So cream cheese frosting and then some like deeply toasted uh, sweetened coconut mm. on the outside mm. or, you know, kind of pulling the candied walnut on mm. the outside. Okay. But the actual like carrot sponge itself, the carrot cake itself. He's just, I, I very much like it to be pure. pure. And even spice-wise, I just really like it to be cinnamon. Really? I and feel like it gets too muddled when you get into the other fall spices, which is also why I feel like it's a little springier. Yeah, of course. And I assume and I bet, I would bet money that it has the perfect crumb. It does. Yes. It, uh, for me, it does. It is actually a little tighter. Ah, okay. It's like almost. It's like almost a muffin. It's somewhere between a muffin and a cake. Cake. So it ha- it's like incredibly moist, but it has this kind of body to it. Mm. Okay. Which I really like. I, ju- I just heard the word cake muffin in my head. Everything that you say now goes together. <laughs> like, f- yeah. Pie cake and cake so muffin. Biscone. Yeah. Yes, right. Yeah. We're blending. We're blending. And then last but not least, if you could hang out in anyone's kitchen. And by the way, I'm going to be waiting for carrot cake until I see you next. If you could Perfect. hang out in anyone's kitchen, whose would it be? In the garden. Oh. I feel like every I feel like probably a million people have said that, but like come on. Right? <laughs> like, I, I'll sit out in that glorious backyard and wait for you there. Uh, you, I mean, I will also, like, pick the hydrangeas and oh, kill yes. them and bring them home with me. Do you um, have an Ina crush? I have a massive Ina crush. Massive Ina I, crush. I, have I you met her? Who, who doesn't? Have you met no, her? No. She's, she's the one. She doesn't come to the company holiday party. Not that we have a company holiday party. But, um, <laughs> no, I've never had the, the opportunity to work with her. And I'm actually a little afraid if I ever did because I feel like I would completely fangirl out. But I just like she is she is aspirational, period. But also she's so warm and real Mm. and her food is just like I everything she makes I want to eat. But Mm. I also want to like hang out with her and Jeffrey and all the other random people that seemingly come over and bring her flowers. Yes. Um, it's, like, it's true. Yeah. It's, yeah. No, I, I get it. I totally get it. I just watched her make this uh, roasted halibut or whatever the fish was with Ritz cracker crumbs, which I, I grew uh, up I grew up in a Jewish household and my mother would tell you you could survive on a Ritz cracker alone, right? Um, so it was so... What's the word? It w- It was so like loving almost watching her make it like it, it yeah. t- yes, it totally captured my attention and I found it enthralling and it was Ritz crackers, but that's what everyone loves about Ina. So I get it. 
But she's also, I mean, she's also doing it in this incredible kitchen. Oh, gosh, Like, yes. all of her pots and pans and dishes and everything. Mm. But yet, it's completely relatable, approachable, yes. and feels like a hug. Yeah, And I'm true. like, when she says, you know, like, the jaded part of me, when she says, how easy is that? I'm like, yeah, well, it's easy if you have your kitchen in East Hampton and, <laughs> you know, all of your copper pots and blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, no, no, it, no, it actually is easy because she does it with love and she loves it. And yes. she's, she's entertained by herself and her cooking as well. Yeah. Like her, the way she like giggles and chuckles to herself <laughs> as she's cooking. I'm like, ah, you like know, that's the love. That, and I call that humble confidence. Um, I can't tell you how grateful I am to have spent this time with you. Thank you for sharing your passion uh, on the radio. Thank you for, um, sprinkling the world with joy oh. and color. Um, we can't wait for more from Sprinkletown, of course. And as the pie cake and bake shop empire grows, we will continue to follow and dig in and support in so many wonderful ways. And then as the holidays uh, flow through the year, uh, our TVs are on and we're watching. You are, um, you are an absolute joy, Zach. You are. And, um, and I'm grateful to know you and I thank you. You are. And it's such a, such a pleasure to well, thank you. spend time with you as always. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of truly delicious conversation and really fabulously engaging, warm, wonderful conversation too, don't you think? I think Zach Young is just absolutely fabulous. And I hope that you enjoyed the conversation and that we satiated your sweet tooth, of course. Let me leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of gastronomic inspiration for the weekend. It's a five-ingredient coconut curry cod. Sounds good, right? I know. So I saw fresh cod at the fishmonger. And I couldn't help it. I mean, it's oily and it's delicious. And so I bought two pounds. And this literal five ingredient recipe is so easy, but it's full of like subtle, sweet heat and coconut goodness. And it just has a few ingredients. And you can use any curry paste you like, the green, the hottest, the red, medium, the yellow, the most mild, but the flavors combine to make a simply luscious, super fast fish dish. It is so good. Cod fillets, coconut milk, fresh ginger, curry paste, and cilantro leaves. I'm posting it now on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. So I'll meet you there. And then I will meet you here next weekend when I guarantee there is lots more fabulous food in your radio. I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off. And I hope you continue to eat well.